Syria off fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani, to the most important week in podcasting, at least in my opinion. Thanksgiving week, guys. We've got drive time podcasting tomorrow on the road to grandmother's house we go. And thanks, everybody, for listening to us on your way to Thanksgiving. We want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. For those of you, my, my brethren, my comrades out there who are strongly against celebrating anything Christmas until after Thanksgiving, the over the river and through the woods reference <laughs> to Thanksgiving, just throwing in Christmas already on top of this. Fair point. Santa's going to show up on Thursday, so I think I'm in good company on Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving. I mean, we already destroy it with the, with the next day after with the, all the, the Christmas shopping, the, the Black Friday stuff. You know, I mean, it, Thanksgiving, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like the team that, uh, you know, the, the Thanksgiving is like the 16 and 0 New England Patriots. <laughs> like, you know, they, they should be remembered as great, but all they'll be remembered for is that they didn't win the Super Bowl. Very nice. I love Thanksgiving, guys. It's, uh, you know, anytime I get to just eat, 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 and then feel like trash, it's a good day. Yeah, it's, a, it's the sweatpants kind of day. So looking forward to that. We talked about it last year. Did any Italian food showing up on your table, Marco? Always. Always. <laughs> you got to start with the pasta. You got to carbo load before you get into them proteins, man. I already told you that. I know. I forgot. I, I would imagine, though, that like Thanksgiving at the Charla household is spanned out over the course of like six hours. Yeah. Um, whereas... You know me. I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm snarling like a rabid dog. You know, s- s- poking other people's hands with the meat fork as they try and take. You know that that one piece of dark meat that I've had my eyes on, and then you know I'm coming back and just shoveling more food in, and I feel sick until like the next day at noon where I'm having the turkey leftovers with the Pringles. That's the best part. Yeah, the, the leftovers are always good as well. I want to throw in, too, the Curve America challenge on this one, guys. In the event that politics comes up on, the, on Thanksgiving Day, take the Curve America challenge and just say, stop, we have more important things to talk about. Who is going to be the next coach of Italy or the U.S. men's national team? No, man, no. Do the, do the, do the tad of Curve America challenge. Politics comes up transform into lavar ball <laughs> just just throw it and be, just be a professional wrestler stay in your lane <laughs> you know just just take on the president yeah that guy's wild yeah he is so we got a lot of talk to talk about on this podcast with italy getting knocked out of the world cup last week we're in mourning about that one but we also had a really exciting week in week 13 here in syria so hope everybody enjoys this podcast so let's jump into it, guys. We've got to talk about Italy out of the World Cup. It's just a disaster. It's just such a disappointing uh, development that we've got the... They're going to pick the groups in, a, in, I think, next week on December 1st. But let's break it down. What happened to Italy leading up to our not even making the World Cup? Well, first of all, I like that we get to be a week late and do the Tuesday night uh, uh, recording of the podcast for a Wednesday release because it's kind of like thanksgiving like like the friday after thanksgiving we're just just get to digest everything yeah and truly appreciate what's happened there was definitely a lot out there a lot of opinions a lot of heartfelt emotions totally understand that but uh yeah we're a little late to the podcasting party for expressing how we feel about this but well look you know we got to see some things unfold that 
you know, pretty much everybody wanted. So maybe that, uh, that helps the overall, uh, you know, sentiment of the podcast. We can talk about this with a, a more of a clear head because, you know, Tavecchio just resigned, uh, Ventura's out, man, you know, rebuilding, hope, you know, praying for his safety, but definitely very angry last week. Uh, and you know, we just, the whole thing was just seems like a farce if, if you're an Italy fan. And of course, you know, like anytime you turn to some sort of a media outlet, you feel like it is the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So mom, Tom Mantek, hang the DJ and Tony of Umberto's pizza, get ready for our analysis of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of the Italy being room. All our loyal listeners. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's start there guys. Um, the games itself, I think we got to start with the the place where Italy got grouped was I think it was Group G. Um, they're in there with Spain. What do you think led to us getting at that tough a group to qualify for the World Cup? Where Italy we're in there with Spain. How does that happen? I don't want to get into the technical aspects of this, but essentially the the FIFA ranking system is is definitely a little bit messed up. It's questionable for sure. Um, I think they weigh the the friendlies. They don't put enough. Uh, weight on important competition uh, games versus the friendlies. Um, there is this uh, ELO formula out there that they're talking about um, adopting that that does just that. Essentially, it just gives more importance to important games, and that's that's how it should be. Because Italy, when they went into this, uh, you know, they they were I think they were seventeenth. Uh, because of the 2015 ranking, and so they got put into this pot and ended up with Spain. And, you know, like, if you look at their qualifying group, Spain was really the only one that gave them a problem. They probably could have won a couple more games, but, you know, realistically, they had a solid qualifying campaign, and they just didn't perform against Spain. Uh, They ended up having to play off uh, Sweden, which, by the way, was, like, the hardest team that they could have played off against. So a little bit unlucky, but... Still, just massively disappointing, and I think the overall ranking system really needs to get fixed here. Yeah, I, I always laughed at it when I saw, like, some years right before the World Cup, USA jumps up to, like, 10th in the world or something, and then right after, we fall to, like, 30th. So I agree with you on that. But, but like, Italy here, in that group, right, we've got Spain. Spain wins the group, and Italy does qualify, uh, Getting getting out of the group anyway, but Spain gets the automatic bid. What were your personal expectations on it? Of you know, should Italy have won that group? Are you were you upset then that we didn't win the group? Well, no, I mean like I th- the reason you know we're talking about weighing things. I think that the one thing that FIFA took into account for weighing things was all the the German gold they were given to make sure that Italy and Spain are in the same group because Germany fears Italy like we fear Spain. You know, like we can't beat Spain. We can't, you know, nine out of 10 times they're going to beat us and nine out of 10 times we're going to beat Germany. So, you know, we get thrown in there with Spain. You know, we, we performed well against them in the last Euros. Didn't we beat them in the group stage? Um, but, you know, w- we didn't want to see them. And, you know, unprepared with the, with, with the second leg with that, that 4-2-4 crazy formation. I, it's just, yeah, I mean, my, my expectations, I'm a Roma fan, so my expectations going into Spain is like, all right, we got second. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not going to take Spain best out of two. It's unfortunate. I think it's a really mental thing with Spain, you know, just because of the big, big loss uh, in the Euros uh, years back in the final, uh, and they've been handing it to us other than last tournament. Uh, and it's just, you, you kind of had a feeling, you know, and they went out with some crazy formation yeah, two uh, midfielders, in right? Spain, and they got punished for it. And it's just like, okay, you know, it was almost like, 
you know, I don't know, doing putting out that formation with like four forwards against Spain was it almost seemed like a, a, a like a desperate formation, like let's just try everything against them. And it's like unnecessary, you know, that's not their game. So uh, that's how we get here. Uh, and again, we place a, a, a dangerous Swedish team that without Slatan Ibrahimovic is much more of a cohesive y- unit because they don't just focus their entire play on Zlatan. And here we are uh, just looking back at some... Yep. Yeah, when we got grouped in with Spain, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's like when you, you turn up and you got like a brand new Mustang and you're like, yeah, this thing's going to be fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race in any, any of these. And you look over and there's like Albania and a Hoopty, you know, Israel and a, and a 91 Toyota Corolla. And then you get Spain and you're like, oh, okay, somebody just rolled up in this Ferrari. It's like, want to race for pink slips? Like, you know, this, this isn't a 65 Shelby. You know, this, this, is, this is the 2016, you know, v, you know V4. That, that, that we're going to have to go out there and race against, against Spain. Like, we, you know, we're just completely unprepared at this, at this point. You know, we're, not, we're, we're talking about it at a qualifying stage to be able to compete against them. Yeah, didn't feel confident in the games. Uh, would have been happy and wouldn't have been surprised with Spain uh, if we beat Spain. But, uh, hey, I was happy that we advanced out of the group no matter what. But we go to the playoff, guys. And we've got Sweden first, arguably the hardest draw we could have gotten in the playoff system there. It's a home-and-home. Home. The first game, we go and we lose to one nothing in Sweden, but we didn't play well. What did you think, guys? It was not a good enough effort, period. That's, I mean, it's the only thing you can say. It doesn't matter who was on the field. You know, it just didn't look like they wanted it. And they, they looked like they were, they just knew they were going to go back to Italy with a full San Siro, you know, like they were going to be fine. Uh, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah, uh, Verratti uh, gets the yellow in this one, and that obviously changed some tactics here because uh, you knew as soon as he got it, he'd have to sit out the next game. I saw a lot of reports that Ventura apparently lost the locker room after this one, stormed off for a few hours, scre- screaming at either himself or anyone who would listen, you guys are so smart, coach yourselves. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, I, after seeing some of the reactions in game two, I, I think there might be something there, to be honest, because... Uh, some of the things we saw in Game 2, man, uh, just didn't look like the team, the, the players, were with Ventura's uh, tactics in the next game. Well, I mean, this is a team that loved playing for Conte. And, you know, they, they find themselves in a position where their, you know, backs up or, or, or up against the wall in this playoff. They're playing the away in Sweden. You know, there was a four, that crazy 4-2-4 four, four, uh, uh, formation against Spain that Marco said is right, just like, reeked of desperation that hopefully we can just blitzkrieg these guys that like like spain's a team that can be blitzkrieg like that and you know i mean afterwards you have a one zero loss it's just there's always a lot of reports of like internal locker room stuff um at, i mean look at look at the juventus in the champions league at you know at halftime last year that you know you could you can take them with a grain of salt they could be you know completely untrue in rumors or there could be some truth to them but the one thing that, that says about this is I, I you know, totally believe that it's a huge possibility that Ventura, you know, quote unquote, lost the locker room, that they don't believe in him anymore. Um, and they just figure, I mean, everyone was saying going in the second leg that if if Sweden, sorry, if, if Italy is going to go through and wins this, wins this, it's going to be because the players, did it, not the coach. And unfortunately, like coach plays a pretty, pretty big part. Yeah, and game two, it finished in a 0-0 draw at the San Siro, Italy. Credit to the Italians in the stadium, right? I mean, it was, I got goosebumps, I'm not even Italian, but 
with uh, Buffon screaming out the anthem. Uh, I felt like there was passion, at least in the stadium, but didn't happen out on the field. I mean, there were some opportunities, but I think you got to look at the tactics, no? You're crossing against Sweden. That's the strategy. They're much taller. Everyone is talking about Insigne on the bench on this one. And then, of course, De Rossi's reaction, we as Romanisti, certainly know that look. We know that scream. We saw a lot of that on replay uh, in this game, too. No? Yeah, I mean, again, you said it too. They had the chances. I mean, personally, I think they got unlucky in that in that second leg. They hit a they hit a couple posts and they were pressing very hard. Uh, credit to Sweden, they were they were a strong unit uh, defensively for that game. But the the bottom line is, we we say this with Roma, we say this all the time. If you're expecting, if you're throwing everything, all your cards and all your eggs in the basket on the last game, the last chance that you have, the whole mentality's messed up. You've gotten to a point where you have to get the result, you know, you, your back's up against the wall, you have to win against a team that you know is just going to buckle in. It's you don't have even though you have control you don't have full control and and that's that's the biggest problem with the mentality not that they're what they were didn't try in the second game whatever leading up to it is it's like you know uh, just overall the 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 system was was meant was messed up. Well, also if you if you believe this that uh, that you know they, that Ventura lost the locker room and the players were essentially playing against Sweden and playing against their coach not thinking that he's going to give them any support. I mean. Every inclination since then is that, like, I mean, you know, we don't see Ventura and the whole team going out for, like, a, a, a post-game, you know, end-of-the-season a dinner where they're like, hey, you know, we did our best. So, you know, if, if, if they have to come out and think, you know, we got to – it's us against the world. If you're not knocking in that goal right away, you know, the, each minute bleeds away. It's, it's just more and more pressing. Yeah. And at the end of the game, we've got a Ventura who remains defiant – despite the results, and uh, I think that has to lead to a questioning of the personnel guys, right? The results are what they are. The players showed some passion, but it wasn't enough. So let's talk about the structure. FIGC, the federation, the Italian federation here. Start from the top, Tavecchio. How did he get that position, and what has he been doing in it? Some of the stuff I found here is, I mean, he's been here for three and a half years, and this is the result we get. He's had 20 years of leadership roles, and you go from, like Marco said, some excellent coaches to someone like Ventura, who his greatest accolades are in the third and fourth division of winning trophies. And then he had Torino as a mid-table team and then got bumped up to the Italian national team. That's a big jump. Well, not to mention that uh, he's just like, you know, put out some racist comments, uh, some, some questionably homophobic co- comments. I mean, like, this is the guy that you want representing your Italian federation, especially with all this negative attention that goes around with Serie A. And it's just like, the, again, it's you're, the you're talking about Tavecchio to be clear. Tavecchio, yes. Yeah. No, no. Ventura, he just didn't have the resume. And, you know, for being 69 years old, you'd expect at least a couple, uh, you know, uh, some more accolades, but, you know, really just nothing. He's in, got in that Serie C title, man. I mean, on, Mike Piazza's <laughs> going to love that one. Yeah. Um, and Tavecchio in this, in the aftermath, just throwing anybody he can under the bus, right? Ventura, it was his fault. The media, it's none of this is my fault. This is you, this is political. I have to leave because of what you're saying. 
I nah, just no nah. accountability. Nah. I don't buy that yeah. either. And that's really what you want about leadership at the top, especially in a competitive sport where there are clear lines of wins and losses. So you either get the job done or you don't. And I think every single you know president of a team, general manager, team coach, or team, or at least ninety nine percent of them. You know, you, if, if you can point to major disaster, I mean, this, this dude, I mean, like Tavecchio coming out and saying this is not his fault is like saying, you know, it's like the movie The Titanic where the, where the captain is seen as, you know, gracefully going down with the ship. It's, it's the opposite of that. He crashes into the into the water and is screaming at the iceberg and blaming that, you know, as it's going down. Uh, I mean, Tavecchio, first of all, I mean, he looks like a toe. Uh, like an old man's toe, or like a growth that gets you know cut off your body. He, he just he 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 came in this thing and got drunk off his own power. And you know after the last Euro showing, he rides the wave of Conte being this uh, uh, you know you know having an overachieving result, which is quarterfinals. And you know just thinks that hey you know what I'll pick my guy. And you you know that if if they had beaten Spain and gone through, he'd be the first to take credit. So I mean like just just no respect for this guy and to like to. To go out saying it's not his fault, you just that's just a sign that he was never a leader to begin with. Speaking of lack of leadership here, in previous years when there's been an embarrassing result for uh, Italy, the coaches gracefully bowed out, signed right away, I'm, I'm leaving the position. I didn't get the results that we needed to as Italy. Ventura, on the other hand, 16 months on the job, first time Italy doesn't qualify for the World Cup in 60 years. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, Federation. I, I, we need to figure out the money. It's well, all about the money. Well, I mean, I don't really, I don't really blame him. I mean, besides the fact that he just looks like an old fat seagull, I think that he's going to be using that money for facelifts so that he can, you know, kind of walk around Italy without people uh, jeering him on the streets. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I get why he did it because, uh, as many people have said, there's no chance he's going to get another coaching job here. And he's he's elderly. He's like, what is he, 78 or 68? Something. He's up there. He's not going to coach again. I think in Italy. So uh, yeah, I mean, Tavecchio got him because he's cheap, mm-hmm. and he came in and he got what he paid for. And Ventura, I mean, what's I mean, I guess what are both these guys going to say? Like, can you imagine you're like an old man? And like everyone else in this time is like, you know, their biggest disgrace is losing that backgammon. And you as like the, the last chapter of your life become the biggest disgrace in 60 years in Italian soccer history. Like, and, you know, they, these guys and it just goes to show they weren't they weren't equipped to, you know, up to the task to even have this responsibility by, you know, uh, understanding the humility of where they were. I mean, they just figured they could phone it in that like Ventura yeah, of course I'm going to be the Italian coach. I'm the oldest dude in the room. Like, uh, uh, you know, let's get Gandalf out here, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe he'll be pull out some wizardry. But, he, you know, he has no ability to do that. And Tavecchio, like, you know, he just figures, well, I mean, do, do we honestly think that, that Ventura, had they beaten Sweden, was going to be the coach of the national team in Russia next year? Definitely. I mean, you know, there's nothing that says that he wouldn't. But guys, you know, again, let, just to, to wrap this all up, you know, he, he's old, he's unqualified, and he's pompous. Who does? I think he should have just run for the presidency of the United <laughs> States. Uh, that's fair. All right. So you're right. We've missed this World Cup. The 2018 summer already sucks. We got to look ahead, guys. Italy rebuilds. How does a soccer culture obsessed already with the game rebuild? 
I mean, I've read some reports Italy could lose up to a billion dollars from missing this World Cup. That's probably a high number, but the articles are out there. Italy is already living and breathing soccer. Now suddenly we're going to rebuild something. I mean, how does that happen for you guys, for Italy? Well, hopefully this sheds light on the fact that you can't just hire an unqualified coach. Uh, great. Uh, the, the best thing about you know Italian soccer right now is that it's on the upswing. The league is mo- the most competitive it's been in, in years, uh, the most competitive that I can even remember. And, uh, you know, the players are still young. I think we have a kind of a golden generation coming through, even youngsters below that doing pretty well in, in the under 21 and U20 uh, championships there. Um, as long as we get the right coach, I think we'll always have a chance. And as long as we get into the actual World Cup itself... <laughs> You know, Italy's yes. just the tournament team. So again, it's it's really Conte went in there. All he had to do was get into the tournament, and then you know, there's just passion. It's it just lives in the Italian blood. So again, we're okay. It's just we we just need to get to the the next uh, World Cup quickly. Now, while I see this billion dollars is something that, I mean, it seems like a high thing. Like you said, I, I don't know who's losing this. Like, is is the, is this like? I mean, it's not like it's a a team that can spend this money on, you know, buying players in, you know, in, in the in the market or something like that, you know. Well, it's money they can use to pay a coach. That, that's one thing. I think, but I'm thinking, I think it's GDP. Like Italy as a country is going to lose this on sales of merchandise, on like wine at bars, things like that. So that's where the money is going to be lost. That's spread out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's spread out. So like, you know, money for hiring a coach. Italy is going to have money. To hire a coach, they just saved a bunch of money in Ventura, mm-hmm. so uh, you know they're gonna have some money to throw around there. Um, you know, I mean, and, and honestly, like there, there's 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 gonna be a wealth. I think there's gonna be a wealth of coaches that are gonna be up to the task. Now, here's here's the thing that Italy should do moving forward, and the one thing that Italy has that like the United States men's national team doesn't have, or uh, is you know they have the Euros coming up in, you know, in two years or two and a half, you know, whatever it is, two years after the World Cup. So it's not like, you know, we're here in the States where, you know, nobody really cares about the, you know, the Copa America or... or Gold Cup. Yeah, the Gold Cups. Can't even remember the name. Can't even remember the name because, you know, they get to go play against the heavyweights in Europe in, you know, the the biggest tournaments in the world that's not the World Cup. So, you know, they they could come, you know, back into shining, you know... uh, uh, become the become the shining city on the hill again after uh uh by you know coming in and have a strong showing um in in the year sorry in the uh the 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 next euros and they'll have the strong team to do it so if they band together and are just like hey look that scandal that we had not making the world cup a few years ago you know we can we can refocus our energy it's you know it's it's yes they lose to rossi buffon keelin balzagli but they have players that are going to be hungry to take those spots and they're going to be able to prove themselves against the other teams in Europe, maybe not Spain. One of those ways to recoup one of the, the billion dollars maybe is that German book Das Reboot, the story about how they completely revamped their entire soccer system after the 2000 Euros. So um, has has been done before. It's going to be Italy's turn this time. It must be pretty cool if you're a coach out there, right? Of, you know, if you do take this position, I mean, what they're, they're, the expectations are just you could be the savior of Italy, right? You could make Italy come back from all this. So who do you guys think the next coach should be 
for Syria. For uh, well, apparently, the, somebody Italian. with a messiah complex. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably required. After hearing from Ventura and uh, some of these guys at the top, I think you do kind of have a, to, the need for a messiah complex. So I, I, I'm going to go Ben McAdoo. <laughs> yeah, he is not a messiah. Trust me, he does not have I that. would like to see Ancelotti. Uh, you know, we that's like seems like such an obvious answer, but this guy's just a player coach. And, you know, like since you have basically very little time to – work out the, the the details with your team as an international team coach you know one of the biggest things and i think that's why conte was so successful is that you just have to be able to be a motivator and a player coach um you know again i think ancelotti can do just that uh but here is my dark horse for the next italian manager i know he's very young and i know he's he's got a lot to do speaking of unqualified but inzaghi OTFR's coach, man, super impressed with what he's doing. So maybe not this time coming around, but in the future, keep an eye on him. Interesting. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of names out there. Uh, I I think it has to be a big name. Marco, you've listed a bunch here, then just rattled them off. I agree. How about our beloved Serie A, guys? The league we follow so closely, they're rolling this. One of the big stories coming out since last week We've heard reports of people saying, ah, we have to limit the amount of international players in Syria. Are you buying that? Well, I mean, look at the look at how we got into the mess that we're in now. Old school train of thought, um, you know, archaic thinking that, you know, uh, this guy deserves to get the job because he's been around. This guy is, you know, knows how to play the inner circle politics. Um, this guy, uh, uh, you know, with Tavecchio and Ventura, that just are not qualified on merit, but, you know, outside things, you know, retracting to like what happened after they missed out on the last World Cup and limiting the amount of foreign players, you know, is super silly. There's other things you can do to help bolster Italians in the Serie A, but Italy is going to lose revenue. There's going to be less interest in the sport globally, which makes the Italian league money, which allows teams to spend that money to develop Italian players and, you know, what's the Serie A going to be without, like, Maori Cardi? I mean, I know we're not talking about, like, taking away the big stars, but you've heard things as egregious as, you know, banning all foreign players. So we're going to take, like, Maori Cardi, Drace Mertens, you know, uh, 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 Edin Dzeko, right. uh, Paolo Dybala out of the Serie A, or, the, or players who, cause, who are going to be the next one. Because, these you know, these small Italian clubs, they need to be able to buy some cheap South American player train them up and sell them off to you know a big club to you know keep to keep their to their, keep their books balanced and keep the whole league going forward. The whole argument is just a farce. I mean, I don't yeah. think the the foreign player rules have really changed that much over time. You know, Italy's gone to the Euro finals, Italy's went to the quarterfinals, then they dropped out of the 2010 World Cup. They won the 2006. So, you know what I mean, like I don't there needs to be some sort of a correlation study uh to 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 hammer that out but i think it's really just a political point and it's this whole nationalism thing that i can't wrap my head around um and so city role keep doing what what you're doing you know what i mean like unfortunately city got hit by a lot of of teams declaring bankruptcy you know the economy just Calcio destroyed Poli. it everything yeah. Calciopoli. so you know it's coming back you know people got to be patient and 
I don't think the national team reflects, you know, the league in any way. We have the team and we've been doing pretty well since even the 2006 World Cup. Well, don't you want Serie A players against play against the best competition? Exactly. Exactly. So like, you know, I mean, you, ha- you have to get get these players. You know, there's there's other interesting things like Matt Sandangelo wrote an article um, where he talked about like in La Liga that the Primaveras for the big clubs play in, the, in lower divisions. You know, so they get Primavera players, so like Roma's Primavera or Udinese or Atalanta's Primavera that have these really strong sides, you know, can play in the Sadia B, um, you know, to, to get them more playing time. But it, it boils down to this. Like, Italy had a chance at the end of the day to make this World Cup. They had a home and a home against Sweden. All they had to do is would win, the, win those, and we wouldn't be talking about any of this. They had the team to do it. They are far superior than uh, than Sweden was, and that, you know, no, no matter what jokes I make about you know a Ferrari compared to a Mustang, they could have they if they've coached well, they could have beaten Spain and, and and won this thing going through. So the answer to this isn't to blow it up and not only you know blow up the whole uh, 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 national side or the way Calcio's played in Italy or the Serie A, your main league, the main driving force to make your players better. You do what they did. You fire. You fire the, the basically you clean house at the top for these guys who were just inadequate and not up to the challenge, and you replace them with quality people who know how to get better efforts out of the, out of the, the players you have. You know, it's not like they got to go and you know go and in, into the you know the the depths of Iowa. The United States men's national team has to do, and you know, find that thirty four year old you know central defender that's you know all he really needs to do is get a good coach, and you know he's moved to Washington D.C. Um, but you know, all he needs is that shot on the national team to you know, take take him take him to the next World Cup at the age of thirty eight. Um, you know, you don't need to do that. Thank you. You're talking about yourself, there. What? <laughs> what all happened? Right. Nothing. Don't you play forward? Yeah, yeah. So we'll leave it there. Where our hearts are broken here, World Cup just won't be the same with Italy in there. The other team that we got to talk about briefly as Americans is the U.S. men's national team. The takeaways to this: a big country like Italy is out of the World Cup. Our country, an up-and-coming soccer program, is, come, is out of the World Cup. This can happen, no? I, my big takeaway from this is that the federations can and often do screw up their national programs. This is not just Italy. Some of the big cl- countries that are staying home, not going to Russia, Netherlands, Chile, Cameroon, and the U.S., last, the last three of that group have won continental or regional titles within the past few years. So big question for me is, is the world just getting better at soccer? And maybe, while it's unfortunate that a powerhouse like Italy is no longer here in this World Cup, is it just, hey, look, the soccer, soccer is a global game and the world is getting better at it? Well, there's a touch of that um, because I think what it's done is, is that soccer is good enough and, and like especially at the international level where you can hire coaches or you can have teams that play each other with each other for a long enough time and players that are playing more that they can they can they can achieve a singular objective like like Sweden did against Italy that you know they they play a home and a home a hundred times maybe this is the only time that that Sweden is able to pull this off but they did because the real world pressures were there you know Trinidad and Tobago definitely had the help of a real crappy field and some miraculous things that happened uh you know around the rest of the games that that kept the United States out of there but uh yeah, I mean, they're good enough to do, they're, they're better, they're good enough to do one thing, kind of like, you know, like the American dominance in basketball, that another team, if put in the right position, 
will be able to achieve success far more often than they were in the past. Yeah, I think, uh, while we're not happy about either of the results here, guys, I think uh, it does help U.S. soccer just learning how Italy's going to react to this and how U.S. can react to this. There's news today. We're not going to hire a coach until after the next World Cup. I kind of like that. But at the same time, there's some negatives there. Sunil Galati, our federation president, is just as defiant as Tavecchio, it seems. Not formally stepping down yet, might run again. Uh, you know, there's, there's things to be learned here, uh, despite both of the teams we love being out of this World Cup. Two things for the United States. Just like Italy, major disaster means you lose your job. And two, whatever the United States men's national team is doing, I have one bit of advice for you. Do what the women are doing. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Let's win some World Cups. All right. I think it's time to crack a beer open, guys, after all that talk of Italy and missing the World Cup. Let's jump to Serie A Week 13. All right. So let's head to Week 13 in the Serie A with the rundown. Happy National Phone It Into Work Week, Curve Americans, also known as Happy Thanksgiving. Napoli, Roma, and Inter gobble, gobble up three points and can reward themselves with shameless Turkey Day calories. Sampdoria punishing Juve for putting up their Christmas decorations before the third Thursday of November. I like that one. Then we got Spal and Fiorentina and Torino and Chievo ending in groups of people finding common ground and being thankful for one point. Udinese become that guy and firing someone just before the holiday season. And finally, Benevento have foreign invaders coming to their land, tease them with the promise of success and prosperity, only to have their land stolen and their people given smallpox blankets. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving theme. What else do we have before we jump into the action? We got social media, guys. We're found everywhere where podcasts are found now, even places that I don't even know you can find podcasts. Uh, there's Stitcher, there's uh, Google Play, there's iTunes, there's SoundCloud, there's CurveAmerica.com, and then there's our good friends at ASRoma360. They're putting out a lot of good content these days. But, guys, great thing to do when you're checking out our podcast. Be sure on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and, and leave a comment. Give us a five-star review. It helps us out immensely. Cheers to that. Now it's time to my favorite part after talking about all that Italy nonsense. Shameless beer plug. What do you got, Tad? Well, we have uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, the, uh, uh, the official beer of Tad's college pickup line. Hey, girl, my dad owns Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> We're worth about $8,000. And now he's the only married man on the podcast. Well done. <laughs> it worked, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My two pickup lines. My dad owns Paps with a Ribbon, and I know Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Neither of those are true. All right. Off we go to week 13 and the top five. Up first is Napoli, taking on Milan. This one finished 2-1. Insigne shows everyone what we missed out on against Sweden in the Italian World Cup qualifier. Marco, what do you got? Yeah, I think Lorenzo Insigne may have been the only winner to come out of that defeat to Italy, and I don't think he would say he is. But, I mean, this guy, after, after the whole Italy debacle, you know, the, everybody said, you know, Insigne this, Insigne that. It's like he's sitting on the sidelines, which obviously was frustrating for him. But at the same time, you have De Rossi yelling at the coach to say <laughs> to put you in. Like, 
it kind of i i, I would imagine that, that deep down if yeah. he would feel pretty good knowing that the entire nation was just wanted him to play you know what i mean except for one guy obviously yeah. big dirty seagull man so well, i mean you hear pepper running around here he's he's still just i don't know if he's riding high and that he might get some scraps given to him from the table on thursday but i think it has a lot to do with Vince. did you see insigne did you see insigne i don't know i don't speak pug it's yeah. true. It's Napoli true. fans are doing that everywhere. I mean, did you guys see Insignia this weekend? Amazing. First goal, you know, looked like it was offsides for a second, but takes an amazing touch, uh, you know, slips it into the back of the net, and then just has a very good game. He is the best attacking midfielder in Italy, guys. And, you know, Sadi just, you know, can't stop talking about how good he is. Um, that's pretty much it, you know. You're the number 10 for Italy. You're left out of the World Cup. Shame on Ventura and... You know, we just love seeing this guy play. He even played really well in the Champions League game today. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so had a good week uh, despite the results for Italy. Uh, definitely with the club team, did very, very well. How about on the other side of the ball, Marco? We got Milan, huh? Oh, had man. a rough week. <laughs> oh, man. Not only can they not get a goal from, uh, you know, their forwards anymore, they have to rely on Romagnoli scoring a nasty volley, which is really top 10 worthy. Romagnoli... You know, used to play for Roma, did some shady stuff with the OTFR and Milan jerseys. I, I don't know. Anyways, Romagnoli did, did well with that finish. But the biggest problem right now Milan has is that if they don't make Champions League, will there be a Milan? I mean, all these articles I'm reading about the Milan's financial woes and these crazy you know, fake deals that these Chinese uh, investors have been making, or at least it's seemingly fake. I don't know. Like, are they going to be gone? Are they going to be relegated? Is it like Parma that's just going to kind of disappear? Like, can't start, can't pay their players because they don't have the money? I mean, it, it's crisis mode, I think, for, for Milan right now. Absolutely. The plane hasn't crashed into the mountain, but they can see it. Yeah, no, the definitely, uh, I think Milan's woes started off, uh, New York Times had an article talking about how uh, the, the face of, the, of uh, ownership right now, Mr. Lee, there's some questionable stories about where he actually owns uh, mines or how much he's actually worth over there, and that's just piggybacked onto, you know, maybe Europe is, uh, UEFA to be specific, is uh, not really excited about how their financial plan is going to go forward with not only financial fair play, but how they're going to pay uh, their debts. They're, they've kind of... Oh, they, oh, yeah, man. They, uh, this, this New York Times article, I mean, they went to China and they went to, you know, they went to his offices and apparently <laughs> looks like, you know, the end of Boiler Room. You know, there's just, all there is is their phone, phones plugged into the walls. And that, like, uh, uh, you know, he had to take this bridge loan from the Elliott Group, which whose job it is like what they do is they give super high interest loans, and then Those when you can't pay sharks, yeah, they're they're just they're just some guy named Elliot who I imagine has like curly orange hair, like fro, like like Art Garfunkel. That's just every Elliot in my mind to me. Side note, but you know they give this high interest loan to them, and uh, uh, what they do is they you know they expect you to default on it, then they buy up your debt and then sell it off piecemeal. So, I mean, it's weird what's going on here because they spent so much money on players that you know that they're they're going to try and make this big push so is it is like this huge gamble that like we're going to go to the champions league we're going to bring milan back and we're going to pay everybody back i swear you know i swear that i swear that i'll have your money next tuesday or is this just like the biggest scam in glo world soccer history 
Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be good for Syria if it's uh, just a scam. I, we got to say that. So for all the, if this were my team, I feel for all the Milanisti out there. I, you know, what can you do? It's your ownership, right? You have no say in it. But I, I just want you know the the parties involved to just like come out and just give give an explanation, an interview in front of the Italian media. What, what's your deal? You know, like yeah, you you do want to see some accountability, and I think you got to throw some credit. Jimmy Pelota, he kind of called this. Uh, he he knows some of the investment opportunities here, and uh, didn't see where the money was coming from. So. Hey, look, open accountability, particularly with financing, uh, it would be good for Syria to do that. Even on top of that, Milan, like, what are they going to do? Because, I mean, they have to make Champions League. I mean, if they don't make Champions League, it looks like they could face a European ban, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, everything I'm reading is unlikely, but they have to make Champions League. And this team, I mean, unless they bring in Antonio Conte or, you know, some some amazing coach, they ain't looking like they're going to do it. The top is, is... Loaded full of good teams, they'd have to pray for some some serious injuries. Um, at that point, you know, if it gets to January, you know, you, know, you read about how players are linked to to Milan. Well, they, I mean, they're up to their eyeballs in debt. What player is going to be like? You know what I want to do? I really want to go to Milan amongst this crazy financial scandal and just like really see if Montella is going to take us to the Champions League, or am I going to be part of like this last Milan team? Yeah, Milan uh, sitting there in seventh, seventh place with 19 points, uh, Napoli with 35. Uh, it would be a pretty big miracle if they pull it off. But Forza Milan, hope you can swing through it. And credit to Napoli, man, still at the top of the table. Let's jump to the next game with Juve and Sampdoria. We got a stunner here. 3-2 in Sampdoria's favor. Samp add further credence that Genoa is their city, remaining unbeaten at home. Taking Juve 3-2 to two in this one. If Under Armour is listening out there up in Baltimore, should be a target team for you. You can see Ray Lewis or Qualiorella screaming, who will protect this house on all the billboards up on 95? Uh, Gen- Sampdoria is just taking it to Genoa. It is their city. The, the billboards around Genoa or the billboards around Baltimore? Everywhere. I don't know how many, how many Under Armour shirts you're going to sell in Baltimore with, with- Giggity goals court quags up there. Fair point, but uh, you know Ray Lewis would sell some shirts up there in uh, in Genoa. <laughs> yeah, and I think Boriello can sell shirts anywhere, so maybe they'll pick him up in January to, to fulfill that that campaign. <laughs> to the game, guys. I'd buy one. I mean, pre-game build-up here, Sampdoria. The feeling is they can get this done. There's a little chink in the armor against Juve, I think, and that I think has to relate to the league parity. We love that this season compared to last season, guys. I'm having a lot more fun covering the games. Iguain with the boilerplate quote before this one, we're weary of Sampdoria, got to take them seriously, but I think this year Cinderella and Sampdoria really do have to respect them, especially at home. First half, there's not much going on, but the second half got wild. You got Zapata in the 52nd with a header, and then you got Rockets from the corner with Torreira, the hot guy in Serie A right now. Uh, just everyone wants him uh, for their team. He is really tearing it up for Sampdoria. I was going to say, the way you just described him, maybe he should be on the billboard. Yeah, how Everybody about that? Everybody wants a piece of <laughs> And Ferrari throws in another one there with uh, the Quags assist. So I can never say their name right, but is it Blue Cercati? Famous pronouncer there? Cerchiati. Blue Cer- Cerchiati. Throughout the stadium, well done. Great atmosphere. Sampdoria just forced to be reckoned with in this one. Love seeing Sampdoria killing it like this. I mean, you know, never count Juventus out, but I think they... They finally uh, were able to break that little curse. Yeah, no, uh, you got to say that for Juve because, I mean, we're in injury time here and they get two goals back. 
Not even Sampdoria's goalkeeper Emiliano Viviano's dazed and confused mustache style out there. It's not going to keep Juventus out of the goal. You could practically hear him saying, all right, all right, all right, after every save that he was going on in this game. I don't know. I've been, I've been watching Everybody Wants Some, the second Richard Linklater movie. I'm kind of preferring that over Days and Confusing. There's way more mustache, so check that one out. We got Juve resting players in this one, too, which I, to me is a little bit ironic because we got an international break here, but they do have a Champions League clash with Barca this week. But it's the 90th-plus minute, guys, and Juve being Juve. You got Iguain with a PK, and then Dybala gets one after that, so... Sampdoria gets to hold on to this one. They scored. I, my theory is you need three goals to beat Juve here. Just that's that's how yeah. much it takes. Yeah, I mean, if this was two zero and we're getting into the 88th minute, I'm still not counting Juventus out. And like that's a crazy thing about Juventus is you know they're they're like every game they're like Rocky in the 15th round. Like you know they they can come and they you know they can knock out Apollo Creed. Yeah. Um, and. You know that's just the machine that they are. They just they just don't ever feel like they're out. Any other team three, you know three zero in, in stoppage time, phone it in, baby. I mean, how many how many people in the Sampdoria Stadium had probably left at this point? Nobody because they they're going to stick around to see them lose at any point. And so the only thing I'm really surprised about this is after it went three two, miraculously there weren't wasn't more time put on stoppage time. There wasn't another raising of the of the stoppage time thing. That's just like we'll give it a few more minutes. Yeah. Two minutes-ish. Yep, yep. No, that's uh, the conspiracy theories abound, I know. we got to turn back to Sampdoria in this one, though, with our favorite president, President Ferrero. He's got some money quotes here. He's going for champions this season, which I still don't believe in until the transfer market closes, but he is saying that no one's going to be sold in January. Afterwards, he had a couple money quotes. I know Marco hates this part. I'm just going to give him one. Mr. Ferrero saying, I was sitting there with my Fiat 500 and started honking the car horn with a Ferrari in front of me. But they got out of the way and I overtook them. Ferrero telling the reporters in the mix zone after this one, love that quote, Sampdoria officially just a Fiat. That's almost as, that's almost as good as my Mustang Ferrari one. I should have I looked ahead. That's yeah. solid, actually. You like that one. You like that. One. I got more. You want me to do more? Well, it wasn't like, uh, you know, our, tri- <laughs> our team tried hard, but we could have tried harder. Yeah. <laughs> Love the money quotes. So, uh, yeah, guys, that's it. Uh, well, I mean, what the best thing about Jim Perry in this one is he's clearly hammered. Yeah, definitely had no, a few that's cocktails. That's how he looks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, well, I, I don't know if, I, if, if it was the way he looks or is the fact that, like, a reporter asked a question and everyone paused for six seconds while he finished chugging the bottle of Prosecco. He was doing a, quite a bit of dancing on this one. I'd say uh, it was pretty clear he had a few glasses. But guys, this is why Serie A is more fun. This game right here, it's more fun than that second plate of Thanksgiving on uh, Thanksgiving food on Thursday, man. Just awesome energy. Sixth place Cinderella is taking it to last year's title holder in Juventus. Well done, Samp. Enjoyed every minute of it. Bravi. Up next, then, we're going to go to Inter and Atalanta. This one finished 2-0 in Atalanta's favor. Who else but Mauro Icardi? Bringing it home with the brace in this one. Tad, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Icardi... Brings it in prime time. I mean, it's so much so that the fans in the stadium were chanting his name. You know, Icardi Fever has come back. I think I think he could write another book at this point. How well they're playing, where he could, where he can, you know, start talking bad things about uh, Ultra's grandmothers. And uh, I mean, at this point, he could probably steal Zanetti's wife 
um, if, if he continues on this goal-scoring terror. So, I mean, it's just it's crazy, this, this relationship with the fans. You know, last year at the beginning of the season, I mean, Chris was even speculating that he's going to get sold in January. We got this, was he like 21, 22? You know, captain of Inter, ripping it, super immature. Fast forward to today, he's averaging basically a goal in a game. And uh, Inter is one of the hottest teams in Europe. And Icardi is one of the biggest stars. We're talking about a $100 million you know, transfer fee being put around on him. Yeah, we are a far, far time away from when he was uh, scolding the ultras, I think. Just win, baby. That's the, that's the phrase there. He said, wait for that lion tattoo, this full-body lion <laughs> yeah, tattoo. Right. You know, he's like he's like uh, he's like Ray Fines and Red Dragon. That like once he once he becomes the full thing, he's he's allowed to to become the the creature he was meant to be. And apparently, that was a lion. Apparently, no yeah. serial killing though. Yeah, you know? thank God. But I would like Edward Norton to make appearance in the series at some point. <laughs> yeah, we need a doppelganger for that. But Atalanta this season, guys, they're not giant killing. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I mean, like you know, last year they were able to take it two teams. Uh, um, that they shouldn't beat, and they you know, they had that that great finish. I mean, my question is, you know, how long are, are we giving them a pass? They're in twelfth place. They, I mean, look, we already said it. They're not going to be in Europe again. If you know, they just should focus on what they're doing right now in the Europa League. Uh, keep the momentum there. They're not going to get relegated, so they're safe. They're safe in the in the in the grand scheme of things. I think they just focus on Europe. And have fun with it. If you guys are Atalanta fans, I think we all slightly are a little bit. Are you pretty content, though, that, all right, they're not going to make Europe again next season. They're not going to get relegated. Are we kind of happy with the ride? Like, all right, they're doing decent things in Europa this season. They're not going to get relegated. Let's just enjoy this season for what it is and then talk about next season when we get there. Is that good enough for you? You know, I actually don't, despite what I just said, I don't think they're completely out of it. I mean, the... The city out right now, the teams that are below sixth place, you know, it's it's a toss up, and uh, Atalanta can get on a hot streak, and they can, you know, just jump teams right away. So I uh, I actually think that Atalanta just needs to get in form, and that's that's how the middle of the table usually runs. I think a lot will be said in January if uh, you know there, there's some place where they feel comfortable in the in the Europa League and they sell a couple of, of, of pieces off to make that kind of, you know, make some money. If, uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden out of nowhere, Papu Gomez goes to Napoli or, or, you know, the only Brian in the Serie A, Cristante, you know, goes to West Ham or something for a bunch of money, um, then we'll see their true colors. But I agree with Marco. It's just too early to tell. So I'm going to still answer my own question. Still, you know, give them some sort of a pass and uh, little known fact, though, I mean, you know, I mean, they, they're, they're rocking these Joma jerseys, which gives me they're wearing the Joma jerseys in the Serie A. But I think when they go play in Europe, they bust out last year's Nike jerseys, you know, just just to, just to hold on to that old feeling <laughs> and break a contract, I imagine, for Homa. No one's watching. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Joma is not watching Atalanta uh, uh, Europa League games in the group stages. I can promise you that. Well, let's wrap up Atalanta here. We got a little fun news from Baila Comil Papu, Papu Gomez. May not be a Ballon d'Or winner, but he is a golden record holder, guys. Ted, what did you find out on that? I mean, that's the, it, there's no more explanation that needed than Baila Comil Papu goes gold. I don't know how. <laughs> people yeah, like, like us. That's how it happens. I mean, yeah, I, I know that we're obsessed with Is that like people downloading this? Or is it like, is it like a new standard of gold? Like, are people in Italy really going to the stores and buying the single by La Comel Papu? I would. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder what his follow-up is going to be. Is like, I want to play for the Ant Army. Yeah, something. 
I like it. I like by the Como Papu. I'm super excited that he actually put it on his wall. Great news. I'm just a huge fan of Papu Gomez. Oh, I mean, his kid is even doing it, man. I, I mean, saw like, that, yeah. His kid breaks the internet every week. Like, every week I get a push notification of his, you know, his 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 kid playing in the backyard scoring, you know, doing by Como Papu. His kid, you know, scoring a goal in FIFA, standing up, doing by Como Papu. So, it's a craze, man. It's yep. legit. Wait it, a minute. Wedding. Roma Wedding Derby gets redone. Is it the Macarena or is it by La Coma Papu? Uh, now, after we've done Curve America, it's going to be by La Coma Papu, 100%. I've seen Marco dance. I don't know if he can do it. you got to work on it, man. It's, it's a weird motion. Let's jump to Roma. Our favorite game, our favorite weekend of the Serie A, guys. We've got the Derby della Capitale, Roma versus OTFR. We got a happy victory in this one. This finished 2-1 in Roma's favor. How about it, guys? Roma takes the derby. Revenge for Roma wedding derby. How about that? It's only the best weekend of the Serie A if Roma wins. Fair point. Fair point. Roma control most of this game. Second half goals by P.K. Perotti and Ninja Nangolan. What do we got in this one, Marco? Don't you just love that P.K. Perotti? Just a little rolls off the tongue. I think Uh, they should just put that on the back of his jersey. Yeah, if we like just put PK on his neck. On the other side, something to bounce that out. Clip yeah. art, nasty. <laughs> Guys, Roma's a title contender. There, I said it. And, you know, with a game in hand, we're just, a, you know, five points off. Just impressive, you know. Just, they've been very, very good. Guys, just a huge derby for table implications. I mean, when when you play OTFR and they are a place in front of you and, and vice versa, if you were OTFR going into this derby, I mean, this game means a lot more than just pride. You know, like it. this is for, you know, who's got the, the table positioning and, and, and winning games like this with teams that are, you know, right next to you in the table is important throughout the entire City ass standings, um, I, I, let alone being up in the top four. I, I got to jump back to last week before this all started going down, right? We've got Italy out of the World Cup. We've got U.S. men's national team in the World Cup. I mean, soccer is dead to me pretty much all of last week. And then Friday hit, and the stuff on social media starts coming out. Like, guys, tomorrow is the Derby. We're playing OTFR. Soccer got reborn for me. I was super excited for Saturday going into it. Really wanted to go to the game. Well, then you roll up and uh, hashtag Corva DC coming out with 60 people. I mean, how about that? Just, just proud moment. Proud moment over here. Proud father, Ted. I, well, from what I remember of it, it was great. It was <laughs> awesome. But again, you know, I think this this game just really indicates not only this game, but you know their form and how they've been doing in Champions League. Roma is the real deal, guys. And look, no Jekyll goal, but no problem for Roma. I think that Jekyll right now is just as important as Icardi is to Inter because the play goes through him, um, and he's just a, a, an absolute column of a of a, of a forward for. For uh, Roma, again, I, I just touched upon it briefly before. Spalletti, you know, you got to give credit to him. He didn't really handle the Totti situation that well because of the, I think it lacked a little transparency. But if he were to basically have said, and this is what I think he should have said to the, to the media back last season, Jekyll is the type of forward that needs to be the focal point of the team. And... Totti, every time you sub Totti in for Jekyll, you you get Jekyll off his game. He's going to be missing some chances, you know, so he needs to get in form. That's what happened the first season. 
inconsistency in playing time, getting Tati in, kind of casting a shadow over Jekyll. Last season, he became the man. Spalletti took the hit. And this season, he's the man again. Not scoring goals right at the moment, but started off the season like a beast. With Jekyll, though, you know, I... I, I I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it, yeah, he has seven goals. And it's not on the blistering pace he was last year. We all know that he could, he scores goals in bunches. But it seems that like you know, going the season in the, in the early part of it, there's all these questions at like right wing, and we spent a, a boatload of dough, and you know, questions here and questions there. You know, right now by the play going through Jacko, him holding up the ball, being able to distribute it, but also then being a, a extremely lethal scorer as well. You know, it just seems like Rum is operating at a more of an efficient pace and which allows them because of this efficiency to be able to win ugly that like they, instead of possessing the ball and not being able to do anything with it, you know, and then maybe, you know, giving up on a counter when you're up one zero or, you know, you're up, you're up a uh, uh, two one to OTFR. You know, they're, they're able to use him to basically dictate everything that goes, goes on. Yeah, guys, I think you're right. There was an interesting article about Monchi uh, saying how he had to face Toti, telling about his uh, future. But, I, you know, I think we have to concede the point that, like, the team is playing like a unit here. You've got Perotti stepping up. You've got Nangolan stepping up. Roma is playing great. And I think, personally, in all the social media postings with the players and stuff, they look like they're having a ton of fun playing together. And... You know, as much as we will always love Toti, Cesolo un Capitano, this, they're playing like a unit, it feels like. It truly feels like Roma is a unit right now. Yeah, at this point, I really enjoy cheering and, and, and singing Cesolo un Capitano when they show him in a suit on the sideline rather than every week having to go crazy about whether or not he's being disrespected by the coach. Guys, I just want to, you know, I know, I know we're Roma, Roma homers over here, but, you know, Immobile is still top scorer of the league. And OTFR is in good shape. Um, you know, they've just been doing well. And uh, they're kind of carrying the, the, the city as the flag in, in Europa, Europa League for what that's worth. Uh, you know, so they, their fo- good form is, again, showing that the league is very deep. And they do have one of the most exciting strikers in City. Yeah, yeah no, no shade to OTFR for this one and for, for God, me in that this hurt. game. Well, yeah. t- tons, of, tons of shade for OTFR for me. <laughs> um, but the one thing I have to do is give credit where credit's due. When we talked about the Anne Frank sticker scandal, um, and I you know, called on the OTFR players uh, uh, that you know they need to come out and say something. Cheery Mobile did warm up in a T-shirt denouncing anti-Semitism. So tap goal scorer, classy guy. Yeah, no, uh, Immobile also for the Azzurri, uh, you know, he's just a good player. So uh, I thought Roma played this one. They won the tactical game, and they take it 2-1. So we're super happy about that. They were, are, and always will be the better team. Forza Roma. All right, guys. So we talked a lot about Italy at the top of this uh, podcast. Let's run through the second half of the table super quick. What are the other results here we got? We've got Torino and Chievo. This one finished in a stunning 1-1 draw for Week 13. Torino's grit, not enough to get past the Flying Donkeys. Baselli gets one for the Bulls, but Belotti can't finish the late PK opportunity. A better block than the Atlanta Metro bus blocking the Weather Channel's Georgia Dome video. This one finished 1-1 in a draw. Tad, you're up next. We've got Fiorentina and Spall in another draw. What do you got? 
Fiorentina versus Spal, yeah. Mass hysteria erupted in Ferrara after the Crusader for Christ, Rich Faith Church, pleased Pioli <laughs> and Pioli's purple turtleneck with an 80th minute equalizer. Federico Chiesa, Rich Faith Church, managed to regain his concentration from Bolriello's smoldering gaze after the bomber was subbed off in the 58th minute and returned to his pit of men, women, and shoplifting UCL bas- UCLA basketball players. Guys, just a wonderfully attended game and well-traveled by the, the Viola faithful. Um, it is unconfirmed whether or not the city's pharmacies were preemptively cleared out of morning after pills by visiting fans in preparation of being in the same building as Antonucci and Borriello. So the word's still out. The, the, the jury's still out. I'm still doing the research, but we all know it's a sexy place to be. Fair point. So we got another draw. Let's scroll down to Bologna and Hellas. This one finished 3-2. For this one, it's got to be Bologna, Verona. Okay, Mark. Tad's got the the best two teams to say in this one. Tad, go ahead. You what got, do you got? You got, to, you got to ditch the Alice. So there's an asterisk, but Bologna, Verona. So <laughs> they play Kiev. It's going to be even better. All right. Cheers to that and finish three two. Marco Il Sindaco di Bologna. Go ahead. Forza Bologna, <laughs> guys. Double comeback from the Rosso Blue. Simone Verde showing that again. He is one of the top players. Uh, not in the top five teams of the league, uh, you know, but he is he's another man of the match performance despite not scoring. And poor Destro, guys, finally gets on the score sheet and gets some shade from Donadoni. <laughs> How about that? Donadoni's still my favorite. Donadoni must be his favorite thing to do. Yeah. Like if you ask him, you know, it's like a beautiful day. You're like, hey, Donadoni, Mr. Bon- Donadoni, how's the weather? Yes, it is a beautiful day, but uh, Destro must work harder. Hey, Donadoni, what are you having for dinner? I'll have uh, uh, the carbonara and Destro needs to be working hard. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Uh, Fido and Destro needs to be working hard. Oko Wonko. There you go. All right. So there we go. We're on to Udinese and Cagliari up next. This one finished one nothing. Cagliari. My favorite word to say. Il Mister Lopez squeezing goals out of nothing, but turning the ship around game by game in this one. Joa Pedro gets this one in the 54th minute, while Udinese manages a red card in the 99th minute. Who does that? The game lasted almost as long as Mike and Mike did on ESPN's morning show, but getting a red card that late is just ridiculous to me. Can't say the same for Del Neri. He got fired today after just one season. Massimo Odo is now taking over the helm for Udinese. Also known as Modo. Yep. Yeah, guys, Udinese to me is like the blandest team and they're like they're like plain Cheerios of the Serie A, and you know Del Neri, I really don't know. I, I, he coached for one season. I know absolutely nothing about this guy. But since he coached Udinese, I just picture him as like he wears like a sweater over a collared shirt and wears khakis. Like uh, you know he pees sitting down. And you know now they're bringing in Odo, the the blandest team in the Serie A is about to get way more colorful. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Up next, we've got two games in Richard Whittle's The Danger Zone. Nice. The Danger Zone. Stole that from me. Go ahead. You can do it as much time as you want. The Danger Zone. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, guys. We got Genoa and OTF Genoa. Oops, sorry. Let me. I got fine. That's a dollar for me. Um, OTF Genoa versus Crotone. Guys, OTF Genoa takes this one 1-0. The heavyweight contenders for hashtag race for 17th go toe-to-toe in this one. 
OTF Genoa put forth an epic performance and throw all caution to the wind to end their three-game losing skid against Mighty Crotone. 9,000-plus fans at the Enzo Shida were treated to an 11th-minute Luca Rigoni goal and remained spellbound for another 80 minutes of goalless calcio to plant a flag on their claim for 17th place like Baker Mayfield on the 50th-yard line. The entire Serie A waits <laughs> for Baladari's new coach, Bayeradini's decision on what disciplinary action he'll take against riffraff, lack salts, cross grab, and f bomb towards the new Crotone sideline. None of that happened. OTF Genoa won a boring game, one zero, where a guy scored <laughs> in the eleventh minute, and then by the end of it, I think everyone was probably trying to blow their brains out. Ah, uh, Crouton Nation, or, or sign up for Crotone Club USA. Yes, Crouton Nation, we mourn, but we move on. Finally, we've got the worst story in Syria. Poor, poor Benevento. Padre Pio, pray for us. Benevento Sassuolo. This one finished one-two. Marco, just just take it away. At this point, you know this is material. Like you know, like they've they've crossed the boundary between feeling bad for them and now I'm cheering for them to just have zero points yeah. forever. They're, cheering for them to suck. They are officially the Cleveland Browns of Syria. Gleefully <laughs> cheering. For I want them to suck. I want the first team to not get any points before Christmas. Yeah, I am. I I'm the guy who looks forward to the Bifana because I want that that sweet coal. More than I want anything else. Anyways, so really just a heartbreaking last-minute header from Peluso. He grabs the three points for the ex-Cinderellas. There's nothing more to say, guys. Benevento, you think they might you know, get lucky. They got a little Cicceretti goal again, but they just can't get it done, and they get beat in the last second. It's, this, is the, this is the type of season for the record-breaking worst team in history. Oh, I, I kind of want a Benevento jersey right now. Just the trashest team ever. Yeah. It says, it, says, it says Ross on the back of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we finished off week 13. We had a lot to cover because of Italy this, uh, this episode, but we got through it. We want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving as we await for more Champions League results. And, of course, week 14, we will be back reporting on those games next week. I when- won't. Marco, yes. You want to tell everybody where you're going? I'm going to be fighting... Are the I'm going to be cleaning up the disaster of the forest fires, guys. This is for Corp America. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Yeah, Marco will be out west doing good work while me and Tad are still podcasting here in D.C. Until next week, ragazzi, diciamo. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.